This episode of No Quarter is sponsored by the Underground Retrocade. You love these games, and the way you want to play them is on the original cabinets. You want to see the side art, you want to feel the controls, and you want to hear sticks on the stereo. So when you're in the Chicago area and you're looking for that classic arcade experience, you'll have the best of times at the Underground Retrocade, 121 West Main Street, West Dundee, Illinois. I'm Carrington Vanston. I'm Mike McGinnis. And this is No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. And in fact, welcome to a very special episode of Blossom, where we are going to be joined by two fellow arcade lovers, and we are going to hold our very first arcade draft. So the thinking behind this is, we're going to go around the table with our two guests, and Mike and I, and we're each going to select for our own arcade team five arcade games can be anything we want we can justify them however we want maybe we're going to make a team maybe we're going to just select a collection that we'd like or that games we used to enjoy maybe they will have a theme maybe it'll be a tiny arcade we wish we could open who knows what sky's the limit mike will be the arbiter of all rules i will be the guy trying to break them (laughs) no you will not okay but first before we get into the fun of the arcade draft and it will be fun i promise you we should introduce the guests themselves so first up let's go as which will be our order of rotation here we will go west to east so first up is a name of someone who should be familiar to our other listeners because she has written in before we are joined by the blondie hacker herself the mad genius behind things like mr t in a box which is something i particularly love um we have the chief sarcasm officer quinn dunkey welcome to the show quinn well, hello. Hello. So you are a fan of pinball, and yet we've let you on the show anyway. Yes, well, a recent convert. So, you know, still an arcade player at heart. Well, then you are allowed to stay. We won't, we won't hang up the Skype call. I appreciate that. <laughs> no problem. I'm a giver. That's what they tell me. Oh, wait, a carrier. Something like that. So next up, going a bit farther east, slightly south of me, in fact, in Pennsylvania, he is the man with two Vs. It's Vintage Volts. We are joined by Jeff Salzman. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Carrington. H- how Hi, are you? Mike. Hi, Quinn. Oh, I'm doing fine. So you are a fan of the old electronics. Pretty much. Um, it's a lot to try to learn and know, but it's more of an appreciation thing and not you know, a general knowledge, but... I like it. Yeah. Old radios, old televisions, old pinball machines, video games. And VCRs, video cassettes. Oh, absolutely. Which I read. Those are too new. (laughs) Laser disc. (laughs) But I did did read on the Vintage Fold sites recently. uh, What was it? Reliving History, one video cassette at a time or something like that. Oh, yeah. Trying to extract old television commercials. Yes. Can't beat it. So, yeah. VintageVolts.com would be the site for that. We will, of course, have links to both Jeff and Quinn's sites, maybe even something for Mike, who knows? Um, so, is everybody ready to jump in and begin our arcade draft? Yes. I got my list. 
Mike, are you ready to be dragged into this with us? I'm just sort of paging through lists of games and name right now. I'm sure I'll find something by the time you call on me. Well, you are going to be going second because we've decided to go from the West Coast to the East, which puts this Canadian lad in third position. But in first position will be Miss Dunkey herself. So, Quinn, what are you going to kick us off with? What is the first game that you have decided to draft? All right. Well, I have a theme for my games, Ooh. but I'm not going to reveal it until the end, probably. So uh, my first game is Hard Driving. Oh, nice. Okay. And why is that the game that you have decided to draft to kick it off? Yeah, it's got a special place in my heart. It's um, so the arcade that I played the most in growing up. Uh, you guys talked in the show once about how you remember where certain games were in the arcade. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one of those games where I remember distinctly when I walked in, it was the second machine on the on the right. And uh, it was uh, one of the first, probably the second uh, environmental cab that I ever played in. So uh, it was the first, you know, 3D polygon fill game that I ever played. So, uh, and I've just always had a soft spot for driving games and, and it's really, really hard. And there was just something about it that kept me coming back. And it was a dollar. It was the first game I ever played. It was a dollar. That's Whoa. crazy cost. So, yeah. And I spent, yeah, way more allowance than I should have because <laughs> just really wanted to be good at it. And it's so hard. And so, yeah. It's still cheaper than playing the horses. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a very like grown up sort of feeling game because it had the clutch and the shifter and, you know, like the younger kids would be in awe when you're playing it because, you know, you're doing all this adult driving stuff and it just, yeah, there's something about it. That, so that's my first pick. For me, I, rem- I remember that game very well as well because it was a much more realistic driving experience. But until you get to things like there was a, if I recall, there was a loop to loop when you got in part of it. Yes. And that's pretty awesome. I also recall, I think, not being able to actually transverse that. I think I was terrible at this game. Yeah, everybody's terrible. Okay. (laughs) Good to know. So Quinn kicks it off by picking a game that everybody sucks at. Nice. I wonder if that will... My my first guess is that's going to be the theme. Games we all suck at. Didn't that game have like a hidden area you can goof around in like it did. Like they had a turn. bunch of easter eggs yeah oh nice i love a game with hidden bits what was it you yeah. turn left right away and then you have to drive and drive and then there's like a circle you can do like donuts one yeah yeah that was one of them yeah there was, there was a couple alternate routes there was a, a, a way you could jump out of the loop that had you land in a secret area yeah there was a bunch of stuff first person to find that must have been very surprised <laughs> yeah it's like oh wait where am i nice if i remember there was also wasn't there a sequel to it as well that was more race-oriented? There race was. Driving. Yeah, I never played that one. Yeah, race driving, yeah. You are a car buff yourself, aren't you? I am, yeah. I actually do race now as an adult. Do you do loop-de-loops? Uh, endurance racing. Nah, no, there's no, no, the loops are frowned upon. But, oh, uh, okay. <laughs> well, then that, there'll, there'll always be that in, the, I guess that's what uh, video games can offer you that reality yeah. can't. It's the, the non-death-defying loop-de-loops. Nice. So next we head ourselves a little bit east to my co-hosts. All the pressure's on you, Mike. You are representing the No Quarter crew. I hope you are going to kick it off with a particularly awesome deep catalog choice that you know tons about. So what is your first game going to be? No no pressure. Uh, Well, we don't know anything about the games that we play anyway until like 10 minutes before we record, I think. Uh, I'm going to pick Russian Attack. And why is that? Because we're just going to stick all with games with apostrophes? Is that this what we're doing here? <laughs> no, no. My, my, my strategy here is twofold, and I'll go ahead and reveal it, because I think it'll, I think it'll up the ante and really get the adrenaline flowing here. Um, 
First, it's because this is this is one of the games that we played at which I have beaten you badly. So those will be those will be my games, and my, and the the cat and mouse part of it will be you trying to claim the games before I can get to them. <laughs> well, the thing is, we're we're each going to come up with five games, mm-hmm. and I don't think there are five games you've oh, beaten. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's Zing. a real yeah. <laughs> So you're just going to pick Russian Attack like four more times? <laughs> uh, I pick Russian Attack because of all of the the side scrolling, beat 'em up, shoot 'em up type games that, that all kind of fall into that. <laughs> I'll kind of follow that same mechanic, whether it's the the Dungeons and Dragons ones, Dungeons and Dragons game that we just played, or Russian Attack, or um, um, Double Dragon games like that. I think Russian Attack has has been my most favorite, going back to when when I played it in the arcade, and then as we've been playing through them again. Nice. I think of it as a Nintendo game, but I guess it wasn't Nintendo, was it? You think I would listen to our own show and I would know these things? Because I think of it as something that was in one of the Play Choice offerings. But wouldn't that make it a Nintendo? Well, I know that it was very popular. It was a very popular port to Nintendo. That I must think. be it. Okay. Taito or Konami did it originally. Yeah, um, I was thinking Konami as well. I don't know. Apostrophes. Apostrophes are confusing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then next comes me heading east. I'm in Toronto, so I will be third in line. And I'm going to... And since there can be a bit of strategy here... And so my concern might be that if I want to put together a particular theme, one of you might end up taking one of the games that I'm going to select. So I think I'm going to try to take that popular one off the board first so nobody else can get it. And I'm going to take as my first pick the Fawns. So, so grab that before any of the rest of you do. So, <laughs> right I'm, on the top of my list. so right. I'm picking Fonz, the 1976 Sega Gremlin classic, I would argue. Um, it is, is that a, a thing? You're, you're making that up. I am not making that up. So there was... A, it's right up there with Sorry Charlie. <laughs> no, exactly. it's, it's actually, I was going to ask if Sorry Charlie is a valid pick here. I, well, you'd have to ask Mike. I think everything's a valid pick. I might sure, even try to stretch what, what is the definition of a video game. But yes, I am picking Fonz. 1976 Sega game. There were a couple of motorcycle games that came out at the same time. They were essentially rebranded versions of the same game. But I'm going to pick the one that was called Fonz. So it has an actual motorcycle handlebar in the front <laughs> that you would use. You actually use your, your right hand twisting the throttle just like a real big boy bike would use. And it's a wonderful looking cabinet because it's got Fonzie all over it. So on the front, this picture of his bike up in the uh, the marquee. It's a nice lean back cabinet with a big marquee. It's got big Fonz and you got Henry Winkler looking at you, giving you the guns. You can tell that he's like on the side of the cabinet. Yes, that is so 70s. It's fantastic. So Big, big fan of the cheesiness of the game. I will admit that maybe in gameplay, not necessarily a winner, but can't beat that cabinet. And if I want to get myself a, a nice motorcycle game, this is the one I'm going to pick for my my first pick. Um, have any of you ever played the, the Fawns game? That game's like one step away from those mechanical motorcycles. Yeah, it's pretty close. Ah, fun in quotes game, but I like the cab a lot. So that is what I'm going nice. to select as my first one. Yeah, it's the going super 70s. Love the LED scoring. Exactly. LED scoring rather than on-screen scoring. It's a, it's a super fun game. <laughs> so that's what I'm picking for my first game, The Fawns by Sega Gremlin. Please tell me there's a jumping the shark level in that game. One, one would hope, but I'm not good enough to get and, that far. And that that's where it ends? Because <laughs> that would be amazing. It would be amazing. Don't you think there's a, there's a, lot, of, there's a lot of potential in a game? 
but about the Falcons. Or maybe the game just goes really downhill after that. <laughs> it does indeed. It just gives you your quarterback. So I'm, I'm just apologize. So what about you, Jeff? What are you going to kick off your collection with? Well, let's see. I don't know if anybody ever heard this before. It's a laser disc game. It's called Interstellar Laser Fantasy by Funai, made in 1983. I do not know this game. I have never seen this before, but as part of my theme, I had to pick this first because, well, just like the fonts, I don't want to make sure anybody else picked the one that I had as my first one. <laughs> right. This is well, kind of like of your typical there. fly through space, kind of a first person or, you know, per- first person view, you're, but you're behind your ship and you're flying around in a computer generated color, really colorful environment. And I'm looking at the uh, Dragon's Lair Project website that has an audio and video files. And they even popped up a, a quiz on this page. Maybe we can try to answer this. It says here, Interstellar Laser Fantasy was a game that was debuted on the TV game show Starcade in an all-interstellar show. True or false? I'm going to say false. I'm going to pick that one. Answer. Because I, I think I would have known. It says, yeah, false is the answer. Nice. Um, but only three shows on that that on Starcade that were dedicated to a single game: two Dragons Lair and one Cliffhanger. Okay, all right. So you win a point. Nice. So you get one to, one to zero against Mike. <laughs> Excellent. Didn't I ban you already? In fact, I banned all three. No, of you. but I've been waiting for my first one because I'm going to get a plaque in the mail that says I've been banned. <laughs> Is that what we do now? We do ban plaques. I will have one printed up tonight. I'm still looking for my band hat trick. <laughs> Night's, Night's still young. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm looking at the game itself, and I, looking at screenshots of this game, can't understand what this game is. It's like Cube Quest, huh? Well, I guess. It, like, looking, it, there's one that looks like an inside, like a city ray tracing level, one that looks like just a checkerboard landscape with clouds above it and one that looks like some sort of green-headed dog floating in space how is this all the same game <laughs> well the cabinet's not bad it's got a nice little uh sit-in cabinet nice and it's got a an upright too but that's a good enough reason to do it so so it's got an environmental cab anything with environmental cab is a winner i think i think it's just somebody showing off graphics and putting you know overlaying computer generated spaceships over top of it cool i can like do that yeah, theme wow. hasn't been done before Looking at these screens now, so whoever developed this was doing a lot of mind-altering substances. A lot of them, yes. This is bizarre. Okay, Jeff. So that brings us back to Quinn for your draft choice number two. All right. Number two is a 1987 game by Bally Midway, Xenophobe. Ah, one I do know. Yeah. So this uh, this one caught my eye for a lot of reasons. Uh First and maybe only game I've ever seen that's three player. You know, there's lots of two and four, but the three player is really interesting. And, uh, you know, this is so this is for anyone who doesn't know, this is the game where uh, there's uh, the game, the screen's divided up into three horizontal slices, and each of the three players has their own slice, and you're kind of running back and forth in these hallways on a space station, and you're just trying to shoot aliens and pick up eggs and generally wreak havoc, and there's little elevators and doorways and stuff. And uh, it had some kind of RPG-ish elements to it, as I recall. And, uh, the, you know, the graphics were pretty slick for the, for the time. 
And uh, it's the second in my in my theme, which I'm actually going to go ahead and reveal now, which is games that I really wanted to be good at and never, ever was. Oh, that um, would be a long list for me. Yeah, yeah, me too. But I picked the top five. So, yeah, Xenophobe is a bit of a quarter muncher. You know, it's kind of designed to kill you uh, relatively quickly and, you know, have the continue feature. So, and I, I re- always really hated that. I always felt like uh, I was sort of cheating if I continued, even though now as an adult, I realize the games were engineered to... to to kill you as quickly as possible so that you would continue. But uh, uh, so I would continuously restart, just trying to get as far as I could in one quarter, um, you know, and again, not realizing I was probably throwing my money away. But uh, uh, so, yeah, that's, uh, oh, and it's also distinctive because I could never find two other people to play with. So I always wanted to, I, never, I don't think I ever had a full three-player game of this. And I always really wanted to try that. It's like playing Gauntlet. Yeah, it, it is. It's just, I mean, by yourself, it's just not the same at all. But it's not that easy to find Three other people. I mean, you know, in a busy arcade, you might find three strangers, but that's not as fun as not the same. Order yeah. they'll play. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. You just fell. <laughs> Players one and two are that free play. Go. Um, <laughs> I remember this game, and I'm I haven't thought of it in ages, but I was a huge fan of this. I loved sort of the there was a bunch of humor in it in in the yes. nature of the graphics and when you'd zap yeah. people and stuff and fantastic and emotive like like uh the graphics and lots of character to them yeah it was kind of the kind of the height of that sort of 8 slash 16 bit artwork you know where everything was still kind of you know pixel drawn and you know frames frames of animation drawn one by one and so they were getting a lot of like little facial expressions and stuff out of you know five six pixels on the characters heads and and yeah, a lot, a lot of humor in it, and there's a lot of distinctive things about it. I mean, it, the other thing that always stuck out is it had the, uh, it's got the Tron-style joysticks, uh, which seemed sort of out of place for that game. I mean, it was, you know, they were like kind of flight sticks, but it's not a flight game, mm-hmm. so that was always a bit odd. But, uh, you know, they used the two buttons on it, one, I think there was shooting and grenades or something like that. And so, yeah, it was just, it stood out in the arcade because there was all these unusual elements to it, from the joysticks to the three-player to the, the way the screen was sliced up to the artwork, so... Yeah, the graphics look like uh, rampage graphics. Yeah, yeah. thin black yeah. outlines around every yeah. character to distinguish it. Yeah, totally. Background. Yeah, I love that that era of artwork. Didn't they make this game for the Atari Lynx? Yeah, this thing. So Xenophobe was ported to the twenty six hundred, oddly, the Atari really? seventy eight hundred, the Atari eight hundred XL, the Atari ST, Amiga, Amstrad CPC, Commodore sixty four, Lynx, ZX Spectrum, NES, and PSP. So kind of a whole bizarre range. You gotta wonder how this could go on the twenty. Like, how many twenty six hundreds would you need to run this game? <laughs> you just network them. I guess. Yeah, that would be exciting. I'm constantly amazed at what games were ported that that I've never never knew were ported, and I just gotta assume that they're just the ports are all garbage. Right. Yeah, I don't know how you can possibly do a decent version of this on the twenty six. No way. But just like looking at this on club, just looking at the the cabinet, it's because it's a sweet looking cabinet reminds me how much i like this game like this is yeah the great great choice I, lo- I love this game nice that's got to go on our list of games to review mostly because i feel like playing it now and it looks nice and alien too <laughs> it does yeah absolutely yeah no nice good choice okay mike what about you what is your second choice going to be i'm gonna go with flicky i picked this one because this is a game that i i should have i shouldn't have liked it as much as i did and i shouldn't have gotten as far into the game as i did the thing that really stands out for me with Flicky that I remember, there's like the normal levels that kind of look like Mappy, but then you got those levels where all the little chicks are going up in the air and you have to try to catch them. Yes, and they would just fall to their death if you didn't. 
Yes, exactly. So it's also a game that I remember at the time thinking all the graphics look like they're out of uh, like a children's nursery. <laughs> it's, it's, like a little, it's like a little game for babies is what you've picked. That's what I'm basically telling you, Mike. Game for babies. Sounds good to me. I still beat you at it. <laughs> now, do you remember what the – I can't remember the cabinet at all. I don't think it was anything special. That's probably why I can't remember the cabinet. So you've picked a non-special game for babies – that's your second choice. This is me taunting the judge, by the way. <laughs> it could be my new theme. My new theme is taunt the judge. Next week I'm going to have a contest for a new co-host. <laughs> Again. <laughs> so that brings us to me and my second choice. And luckily I got to take uh, the fawns off the table. Um, I'm going to, I think, as my second choice, stick with the Fs. Um uh, and take another one that maybe I'll be stealing away from others. And I'm going to pick Fire Truck as my second choice. 1978 Atari game. I love that game. And it's a black and white game where you are driving a fire truck through a, if I recall, a random maze, top down view of the fire truck. But what makes fire truck special is the cabinet it could have been a cabinet just a normal stand-up cabinet with a steering wheel on it and you're gonna sit or stand in front of it and you drive the fire truck and that would have been okay but the magic of this game is you'll sit in a chair and the top of the chair has a second steering wheel so you can sit and play the front part of the, the fire truck and player two stands behind you with their own steering wheel and they steer the back of the truck. It's something out of like a modern Nintendo game. where It's you, not inside the cabinet like, sorry, Charlie? Uh, no, <laughs> which is, I, w- I would love to pick more games where somebody has to crawl inside. And I looked, but unfortunately there's not a lot of those. But this is super fun because now you have uh, something that I really like in games, and there's very few classic games where you can do this, where more than one person plays at once. Just like Quinn's choice, um, going at Xenophobe, it's extra fun when you and somebody you know can play a game at the same time. It really just brings it to another level. So for me, Fire Truck is one of the earliest games where I got to do that. So instead of just the normal Space Invaders thing where you take in turns, here instead you sit in the front or you go in the back. One person steers the front of the truck, one person steers the back, and if you both turn like opposite, you can actually completely crash and roll. Your, well, roll is a bit much for the graphics in this game, but you can completely crash your Fire Truck um, so it makes it really fun. The graphics are not fantastic, and it's really just sort of a, a line-based maze, but there are other cars on the road that you have to avoid, and it's really fun to try to coordinate steering when one person's behind you. So it, it makes it a really interesting experience, and it's a cabinet that really jumps out in its look. So that is going to be my second choice, sticking with the Fs, and I'm going with Fire Truck. That cabinet is super cool. <laughs> Isn't it? Isn't it neat? Yeah. It's just it's something different. Yeah. I played that as a lot, a lot as a kid. I love that game. It's, it's it's a really good idea. I hadn't heard of this one until, you, until, until I looked it up just now, and it's something that deserves to be remade with better graphics because it's like it's it's one of these games where they had a really good idea too soon. The technology wasn't there yet. Yeah, very very much so. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a shame they didn't have this idea in like 1988 when they could have yeah. looked amazing too. Yeah, I like it too, and because it is a the the fire truck vehicle, there are those big ones where there is a person steering at the back, so it works thematically. There's not a lot of cars that you would actually have two people logically steering them. So it makes for a really fun game. At least the way I remember it. I have not played this in many a decade. But my memory is it's fun. And it has that horn button too. You can press all the time just for the fun of it. 
just for the fun of it, which doesn't affect the gameplay at all. But yes, you get to make lots of noise while you're doing it, which is which is extra fun when you're playing. So that will be my second choice is Fire Truck. Uh, so Jeff, that brings us to you to end here round two. What are you going to draft as your second choice? Well, so far, nobody picked anything on my list, which is <laughs> nice. Bonds wasn't on your list? No. Well, actually, <sighs> it was at the top, but I took that off. I decided to restart my list. God, okay. I will pick one of my favorites from... 1984, I believe, 1983, Time Pilot. Ooh, nice one. I, I just like the action in that game. It's very fast, but it's, it's a good pace. And once you learn the trick to fly up all the time, so you don't get a lot of bombs dropping on you, you can really rack up a lot of points and go through the waves and pick up, uh, let's see, the par- parachutists, they come in, first one's 1,000, second one's 2,000, next one's 3,000 points. You can really rack up a lot of points just catching those parachutists when the squadrons come in and it was just a great game nice music nice sound effects there's and, uh, two versions of that game yeah i was just Space thinking pilot? that like wasn't, wasn't or, or time pilot 84 or yeah time or pilot and time pilot 84 yeah oh 84 i was thinking too weren't there two versions right yeah, yeah. and different manufacturers like the so. i don't like the sequel so much i think the original still works pretty good do you know who made the original um was that konami the original is centuri time the original time pilot and then time pilot 84 is konami oh so that is strange that they'd be different different manufacturers interesting they often were just just dis- get distributed or distributing things so it could have been one of those ones where it's made by konami anyway and distributed by centuri or vice versa what I remember about time pilot in particular is one I really like the graphics I completely agree with you like it's a nice shooter a nice um uh you know flying shooter but what's fun is if i recall you go through different eras correct like there's like yes anything from biplanes and like later stuff and wasn't there even like you're in the future and there's ufos and things i think the last wave was either 2001 or two well it might be 2010 but it was it was the future back then <laughs> right uh they thought we'd have ufos by 2001 i wish where's my jetpack flying car for that matter Exactly. Where's my jetpack and my flying car? I want to go fight those UFOs. The, uh, the, the cabinet for Time Pilot is really nice looking. It's got the, uh, it's got the full side art. goes all the way up and down. I love that. I love that in a cabinet. Yeah, I recently really... played this at Yestercades in, in New Jersey, uh, Red Bank, New Jersey. They have one of those retro arcades. And uh, I, I, I just still love it. I think I played, played it a lot while I was there. The whole hour I stayed Nice. And you know what? Quinn's completely right. I just looked up an image of the, the cabinet. Nice looking cab. Lo- good use of side art that completely fills the side and even has kick plate art like down below. Not quite at the kick plate, but the. So I like a one that has bezel art, you know, marquee art, art down, down below, art on the control panel. You know, really art, art it up. Nice. Yeah. And they, you can tell that they took the time to lay out the art around the shape of the side of the cabinet. You know, they didn't. It's not just a big Photoshop that they cut to fit the shape. You know, they sort of. Use the space nicely on the side. Nice. Nice choice. Excellent. Even below the coin door. Yeah. Yeah, that's unusual. Yeah, exactly. Get that, that lower kick card. It's pretty rare. So nice. Well done. Good choice. Okay, so that ends round two. We will head back to Quinn and let's kick off, I guess, the, the middle point of our five person or five round draft. Here we are, start of round three. Quinn, what are you going to pick for your third choice? All right, my third choice, uh, again, sticking with the theme of games I wanted to be good at and never was, uh, <laughs> from 1987, Atari APB. So uh, this is a, a casual driving game, and uh, uh, I guess 
I guess there's a secondary theme here, which is games with humor, because that was something that really stuck with me about this game, is it's, again, really it's got a lot of great humor in it. Um, it's late enough that they could put uh, voiceovers in it, so there's a lot of great narration. The cops yelling at people and people yelling at you. And, and uh, you know, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit humor-wise, of course, too. There's donuts and you know, various other cop themed uh, jokes but uh it had the it had like in a lot of standout features that in, in the arcade that you could pick it out it had the uh the police lights at the top of the cab so the marquee was actually like a police light bar that flashed uh and it wasn't just random it flashed based on elements in the game and uh, it had a kind of an unusual uh seat thing it wasn't an environmental cab but uh there was this little stool kind of bolted to the front of the cab so you could sit and feel like you were driving because uh, i don't ever like the driving games where you had to stand there and kind of put your foot on a pedal that's sort of inside the base of the cab um so this you know so you're seated um but uh you know you, you still had to, the machine wasn't huge then which probably the operators liked and uh that Interestingly, that so the bench is removable. If you've ever if you see these on eBay or whatever, you often see them without the bench because it just kind of slid into a slot in the front of the machine. So the bench is often missing. Yeah, just a fun, casual driving game. Again, it's got the that era of graphics that I really like. That kind of you know late eight bit, early sixteen bit style. Everything's kind of black outlined and hand drawn pixel art. And right, but it has a lot of humor in the art and a lot of character in it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The cop, the the cops are all sort of police academy esque caricatures of law enforcement and so yeah it's and it's it's a kind of a it's a fairly deep game again there's some sort of rpg-ish elements you know you upgrades and uh, a lot of different resource management going on you're managing your gas and you're collecting different types of criminal resources and so on and you had the like an actual siren or something or the flashing lights i remember it had the the big lights on the mount on the top of the the cab, right? Yeah. So the marquee is kind of a kind of a bulbous thing. Uh, yeah, I remember this cab. Surface. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it just has the small. There's a little police badge in the middle. Uh, it says APB on it, and to the left and right are a big blue and red light. And uh, so yeah, and those actually were connected to the CPU, and they flashed in time with certain gameplay events. Talk about a track mode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. Not, not a game for people who are shy like this. Let's, Draw attention to yourself. Well, and the attract mode did have a siren in it, a police siren, and because I, I remember that when I was walking past it, it would it would attract me, which I guess was the point. And uh, it must have been one of those games that drove operators nuts because that that siren must have driven them crazy. But or if you had it in a home collection, holy cow! <laughs> yeah, it's a, it, it makes me think of that because this is another one of those games where I remember exactly where it was in, in, in the arcade I grew up in, and uh, it was. Uh, two machines to the left of where the coin changer guy sat. So he got to probably listen to that all day, every day. It's funny how many games I can think of the same thing. Games that I really got hooked on and that I really would look forward to playing at an arcade I was frequenting. I can still remember the position in that arcade of those games. It's, okay. I can remember the first Tron game I played exactly where it was. And I would yeah. keep going back to that game. Um, it's amazing how that kind of detail will stick with you all these years later. Yeah, my, I mean, then, yeah, my neighborhood arcade, I could probably draw it from memory, honestly, and get maybe 50% of the games in the right places. That would have been a good theme. You could recreate, like, one <laughs> row from an actual <laughs> arcade from back in the day. That would also have been a good theme to pick with. 
as opposed to Mike's theme, which is games he's better at than I am. So Mike, I guess, will pick the third game. <laughs> so what else are you better at than I am? Well, you actually already run out of games. That, 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 <laughs> that was it. Was just so. the two? I'm pretty sure our scores <laughs> say otherwise. Uh, I'm going to pick one that we haven't played yet, and probably, well, I, I'm sure we'll figure it out. But um, this is one of my favorites from, from childhood, and that's Spy Hunter. Ooh, nice. Um, it's a driving combat game, sort of the, the top-down view. And what I liked about it was kind of the the uh, ingenious touches that they would put in. So you're not just racing to you're not racing to to a finish line or to to rescue a princess or anything. Um, you sort you're driving down the road, and the bad guys come up next to you in their cars, and they try to to slam you off the road. And you can you have um, you can pick up weapons as you're driving. Uh, I think there's like an oil slick and and uh, machine guns and um, and the enemies had those those little spinners that would come out of their tires and try to pop your tire and if it did you would go spinning off into the mud. Every now and then a a, a pickup truck would kind of pull up in front of you and you were supposed to drive up into it night rider style and while you're in the truck you could uh, load up on ammo and and get back out there and of course um, the game was very good at. at um, as you were trying to get into the truck, they would, you know, that's when the, the cars got really good at running off the road and, and shooting and that sort of thing. I used to always um, get hit getting out of the truck and getting mm, back in the game again. Yeah. Boom. <laughs> I don't get to use the phrase Knight Rider style enough. Most of the arcades that I went to had the, the stand-up style um, cabinets, which if you played for any length of time and you got good at it, kind of sucked because uh, it... The, the controller, in, in addition to the steering wheel that had your that you used to to guide the car, and you had your your um, the different fire buttons on the on the wheel, you also had um, a, a shift knob and an actual accelerator pedal. And and if you played there for a while, you basically would end up standing, putting all your weight on your left foot, so that you could angle your right foot back to to use the accelerator. And so I always look for the environmental cabs cabinets when I can find them because it's great because you can sit down and it's a lot less tiring to play for a long time because I'm lazy like that. <laughs> One of the details of this game that I really remember um, was there's points where you can sort of intentionally go off to the one side and they'll, you'll go into like a, a, a dock house and you come out the other side on, on in a speedboat. So you've like, like instantly changed vehicles and now you do like a water level. Yes. So I like that. Yeah, that was super cool. The, 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 the moment in this game that sticks out for me is just driving into the truck. Like when you yeah. pull up behind the truck. I mean, that, that mechanic was just the right amount of hard. You know, it was diff- a little bit tricky to do. And when you did it, it took some practice and it just it felt so good when you got that right and got into that truck. And it was such a relief. You know, you got all your weapons back and it was just it was such a great moment. Yeah, this game is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the one of the really great um, driving shooters with nice fun. I remember there was the the normal cars you could shoot, but those those big chunky cars that were harder to knock to the side and things. Yeah, good good game, good mechanics in this one. Yeah, and the Apple II port this was actually really good. Ah, see, then that gives extra. We'll put an asterisk beside that choice then. <laughs> Bonus points for, for any game we pick. That's a good Apple II port. That will please Mike and I very much. Yeah, this game was actually remade, uh, I think it was, on, it was on the Xbox or the PS2, uh, sort of two generations ago of console, There's a, and it was a really, really good remake of it. Like, they didn't uh, mess with the gameplay at all, they just kind of updated the graphics, and a uh, really, really nice version of it, too. Um, and and the, the other thing about the game, and, and I only saw this in a couple of places, um, uh, I, think that, I think that they lost 
the rights to the to to the music that they were they used the James Bond theme in, in very early versions of it, and then they um, were sued or or got a you know you will stop this or we will sue you message, and so they switched to the Peter Gunn theme, which I actually thought was kind of better for 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 the game. That kind of the the driving music behind it just sort of the whole thing the whole thing really came together nicely for me, and it's one of my definitely definitely probably my favorite arcade driving game and like maybe top five uh, arcade games of i'd say that's number 87 out of my top five list <laughs> i could say there's a lot of games in your top five <laughs> but i think this is one that's well positioned and they're yeah really good game excellent choice for your third one thank you so for my my next pick for my pick number three i'm gonna stick with the uh minor theme i've got a major theme going but my minor theme of games i i think all of you would pick but i'm going to take them away from you so that's clearly what i've done with with the fawns and fire truck and so i'm going to stick with that bit of bit of theme and i'm going to take for my next game i think um let's go with quadrapong so everybody likes a pong game and i think of all the pongs and the pong ripoffs probably my favorite would be Flim Flam, but because of my overall theme, I'm not able to pick Flim Flam. So I'm going to pick my second favorite group Pong game, and that's Quadrapong. So this was an Atari game, and it wow. uh, uh, came, I think, 73, 74, came out just as a cocktail cab. And the nice thing is four people gather around the cabinet. It's a nice 1970s looking cab too. And it's your usual Pong game. So you basically just have a spinner. Nice, simple game you can play at a bar, even if you've had a couple. What's interesting is each normal Pong, one person's at one end, one person's at the other end. And basically you're trying to have the, the ball, the little square dot, not get past you. And you block it with your paddle. Same deal here, except when there's four of you, each one of you is blocking one wall of a square. So the ball's going everywhere. It's kind of like a precursor to the later game uh, uh, Warlords. But instead of being bricks, you're basically just looking at the uh, defending your wall. It's neat in that because of the way people will sit at it, two people at one end, two at the other, they mount the monitor tilted to the side 45 degrees. So it's mounted like in a diamond shape. So everybody on the corner is facing one flat edge of the monitor. And I can't think of a lot of other machines where they mount the monitor on an angle like that. So you gather around it. You can play it two player if you want, but it's most fun as a four player game. And as people get eliminated, when your score gets too low, when you let too many things past you, it just seals up your wall and everything gets a little faster. So it can sometimes end. If you start a four player game, you can end with two people at adjacent corners still playing. And they're basically bound things off walls that are bringing stuff back at 45 degrees so it gets pretty fr frantic and it's a super fun game so that's what i'm going to pick for next game for me did you uh, have you ever been to uh you remember nolan bushnell's restaurant chain that he tried to start called you wink i have not okay so he's tried to start this restaurant chain mainly in california i think there was one in uh, silicon valley and a couple in uh, down here in los angeles they all closed in 2010 but they lasted a couple of years um so anyway this it was it was a sort of a uh, fusion of, of casual eating and video games. So you would, all the tables had uh, video game uh, screens, touch screens. Oh, my in, kind of in them. Yeah. So you ordered your food on the, on these screens as well. There was no, no um, wait staff. You just ordered your food and they brought it to you. And now uh, you swiped your credit card at the table and then you could play games at the table. And they were all group games, you know, with your four people or whatever. And uh, anyway, long story short, the, uh, 
at the entrance to each restaurant, they had one of these quadrupong machines. And it was kind of a supersized version of it. Uh, rather than a TV screen, it had a projection screen from underneath. So uh, it was big enough for, you know, probably 10 people to stand around, but it was still four-player. Uh, Sweet. Yeah, it was a cool way to play that. It was kind of something to do while you were waiting for your table sort of thing. Uh, it was, UIC was actually a really good idea and nicely executed. I don't honestly know why it failed. Yeah, I really like... Um... I like games like we talked about before, like with Fire Truck, where in that case, two people can play at the same time. I love a multiplayer arcade game. And so Quadrupong is going to give me the ability to have people come over and we're going to play four at a time with the incredible advanced graphics of Quadrupong. <laughs> sticking, sticking with the black and white games so far. That's also not my theme. Just a little coincidence, a little bonus theme going on with my choices so far. Now, looking at the Quadrupong, I thought that, that's neat. I've never seen it before. But the cabinet reminds me of that Atari football game that they had at the time with the rollerballs on either end. It's like they use the same theme. But still, nobody picked anything on my list. So I guess it's up to me to pick something on my list. <laughs> Probably is, yes. And I'll stick with, well, the, the handoff and rights and licensing does end up becoming Atari. But this is a racing game called TX1. I don't even know that. It's kind of like pole position, but grown up. You know, like second generation pole position. Let me get back to my page on it. I found the graphics and stuff on arcadehistory.com, arcade-history.com. TX1 is a three-monitor pole position style game. Three different people playing at once? No, it's you get sort of a wraparound view of you driving instead of like on pole position where you see just the road edges in the technically small screen that you normally play on. Well, this has two additional screens on either side. So you have kind of a wraparound view, a nice wide view of the racing area. And it looks like pole position, but you drive through, uh, let's see, what was that? Was it Sega Outrun where you Mm -hmm. would like branch off different directions as you race through? Sure, yeah. Well, TX1 did that too. And this was in 1983. It's actually made by Tatsumi. And then it was handed off to was it Namco and then eventually became Atari for the U.S. Dis- distribution. But it's got three video displays and four channel sounds. So you get this full surround sound and it just sounds more professional, more realistic. It looks like pole position. The graphics are sharper, more believable, but good sound. It, I don't think it's stayed out very long because it was huge. Yeah, the cabinet on that was enormous. Well, it would be. I guess if you're getting three monitors stacked side by side, now the operator is basically using the space of three games, but only getting the one person's quarter. It was wider than it was tall. I mean, I'm sorry, it was uh, longer than it was tall. It was a huge, it was like, let's see, here's the specs. 73 inches long, 71 inches high, 55 wide, weighed 650 pounds. But the steering wheel did 360 degrees. It, you know, it had high-low shifter and it had gas and brake, just like pole position. But about the game, you would have pit stops, and then you can decide where you want to go after the next pit stop to continue on. So It's a pretty hardcore version of pole position. <laughs> yeah, that, that game was really hardcore. It was kind of the, the Gran Turismo of its day. It was more, more simulation than, than a video game. That's so funny because I, I've never played this game. I've never seen this game. I, I've now looked up a, an image of the cabinet, and it's a behemoth. 
Very cool looking, though, but it doesn't even ring a bell. I guess this never made it to any of the arcades that I went to as a kid. I, I missed out completely. This is a really cool looking cab. Yeah, I only ever saw it in one arcade. Uh, it was a great big, one of these chain arcades in a big shopping center. You know, the neighborhood arcades never had it because it was probably just too big. You may have seen it at Dave & Buster's or something like that. Yeah, that's the kind of place that would have it, yeah. You can watch it play on uh, YouTube. There's videos out there of it, so. That is sweet. That is big. <laughs> I think I think you have the award. I thought, I thought Fire Truck was going to be the largest cabinet selected. Um, but I think you've stepped it up. <laughs> this thing is, <laughs> I, I think as large as the rest of my choices so far combined. <laughs> nice, nice choice though. I could like a three monitor pole position sounds very awesome. I would yeah. like this. So far, my theme is not what this could be. Games I want in my own game room, but I right, cannot okay. get a TX one in my basement because I only have a twenty eight inch wide stairs. Well, it could be your game room, and then you would just put your other cabinets inside the TX1. That's it. Hey, maybe somebody... Sorry, Charlie. Some too. <laughs> yes. Like, I'm all about putting things inside arcade cabs, it seems. It's going to be my own personal theme. It would be interesting to find a, a, one of those retro arcades that have something like this. I, I would drive there to play this. Mm-hmm. And I, what, for that matter, I'll drive like I'm playing this to get there. <laughs> that might be dangerous. <laughs> Nice. Good choice. Okay, so we will wrap around back to Quinn to begin round four. And Quinn, what will be your fourth choice? Uh, All right, number four is not a very, certainly not an obscure, exciting one, but uh, it's, uh, let's see, it was first machine on the left in my neighborhood arcade. Uh, uh, There will be a quiz. Everyone should be able to map this out at the end. I assume everyone's taking notes. Is that like um, Queens Five or something like that? That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so this game is a classic, and it is Centipede. And uh, this is again, never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it was a, it was a regional thing. Um, but yeah, no. Again, another game that uh, I always really wanted to be good at, and to this day, I'm just still terrible at it. And nobody's uh, good at it. Yeah. And but I still I love to play it. And you know, it's the mark of a good game is that no matter how much it kicks my ass, I want to keep coming back. It's, it's one of these games where every time I die, I feel like it's my own fault. You know, I, I feel like I did something wrong. The game didn't just, you know, jerk me around. And that's, I think that's a difficult thing to do from a game design standpoint. Um, and it's also etched in my memory for the same reason that uh, Jeff mentioned Atari football. These, both of these games are etched in my memory because of the, uh, the track ball pinch injuries that I would get on my hand. You, know, you start spinning the track ball too fast and your skin gets caught <laughs> yep. between the edge of the ball and the metal ring. And, ooh, boy, yeah, I used to get robbing trackball injuries. Bursitis playing football. <laughs> In fact, the bit of a coincidence, when we were battling around um, names for the podcast, throbbing trackball injuries mm, yeah. was, I think, second on the list right behind No Quarter. So it's yeah. the, quite the coincidence. Yeah, I was actually in a band in the 80s called Throbbing Trackball Injuries. <laughs> I, I think I saw them open for somebody once. <laughs> yes, it would make a good bad name. I like it. I like it. What, I, you've also selected another cab that I've always really liked to the look of the cab itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one with really big, really iconic side art. That big, that big centipede monster thing on the side just leaps out. Yeah, and it's a, it's, it's a classic. I mean, who didn't play that one, right? That's, I mean, if you're going to have a home arcade, that's the game that, you know, no matter who comes over, they're going to know that cab. They're not going to know that game because non-gamers, mainstream, you know, normals played it back in the day. <laughs> normals. So. I remember the first <laughs> yeah. time I played that game. Oh, yeah? At bowling alley, my parents would go bowling all the time and you know, drag my brother and I along and there was always three pinball machines and two video games, and 
Uh, the day I saw that one, I thought, okay, everybody's around it because everybody's playing the new game that arrives. So it has to get through that first before, because I was small. I, you know, I was still a kid, so I couldn't muscle my way in, get up front. I, no matter how many quarters I put on top of the uh, marquee, you know, somebody else bigger than me is going to play that game before me. <laughs> With your quarter. <laughs> With <a> prime, yeah. <laughs> well, I only got 50 cents, so I had to make them last. But it, <laughs> hey, it's fun watching other people, you know, learning the tricks off of them. But yeah, that was a great game. The endless play. And I mean, it was such a it's such an icon of the early 80s. I mean, you know, if if a laundry, every laundromat, every gas station, you know, if, if, if they had one machine, it was a Pac-Man. If they had two, it was Pac-Man and Centipede. And I mean, they, you know, they made almost 100,000 of these machines. So they're just, they're, they were everywhere. And the controls were so well tuned. Mm-hmm. You felt like you were moving that way. You, you didn't feel like you had to overdo it or yeah. or anything. Yeah, incredibly tight connection between the trackball and the, your avatar on the screen. Like the smallest little motion would move it and it's like directly connected because it's the kind of game that does get so frantic and it's so about like lining yourself up exactly to shoot things. If that if that trackball wasn't that really smooth running, really tight connection that you really felt pinpoint control, the game itself would have just fallen apart. So like that's that's one of the big things about it. And also I remember from the episode where we reviewed it, one of the things that really jumped out was it was a game that was sort of intentionally designed from the ground up theme and all to appeal to more people, to have that broader appeal, to be something a little different than everything else. Everything else is a space game. Everything else is a, essentially a violent thing. Well, here you're still shooting, I would argue, but at least it was something that would stand out, would appeal to people that might not have um, had like existing games appeal them to as much. So nice to bring something in that has that, that broader appeal, I think. And and what has to be the first game designed by a woman as well, which is interesting. Oh, that's right. I forgot that that was the case. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot about that. In fact, I think this was, if I remember her first game too. I think so. And I talk about hitting it out of the park with your first yeah, one, possibly her last. I seem to recall that not much came out from her after that. Which is funny because if you think you, you can do this, you would be, I mean, because it is literally one of the big ones like this. Like when you, when you make the list of what are the, the 10 games that even non gamers could still name, they're all going to say Pac-Man and Space Invaders and Donkey Kong and Centipede is going to be on that list. Like it's one of the bigs. Donna Bailey was her name. Oh, well done her. Maybe a one hit wonder, but uh, what a hit. What a hit. What a hit. Okay, Mike, now we come back to you to see uh, what you will follow up with for your fourth pick. What is going to be arcade game number four for you, Mr. McGinnis? Well, number four for me is sort of a, it is a, a bit, I guess a bit of an obscure title. I, I don't see it anywhere really today. And I don't, I only remember a couple of places that had Firefox when I was uh, a kid. There was um, a place called uh, Bullwinkles in... Um, well, in, uh, Rocky and Bullwinkle, it's International Falls, Minnesota. Is that, where, <laughs> is that where it takes place? No. With moose and squirrel? I, I only remember seeing the, the, the cabinet for Firefox in a couple of places, uh, in a couple of arcades growing up. Not everyone had it. And I don't know if it was because, um, it was expensive or it just wasn't that popular. Uh, Firefox is an Atari game and it was based on on the movie starring Clint Eastwood, where he goes off to Russia to steal this super, the super plane um, and fly it back to America. And basically you sort of step into the East, the, the, the Eastwood role and, and your idea, your job is to fly 
fly the plane. I mean, that's really all there is to it. Um, and it's it's a game that, unlike Dragon's Lair or Cliffhanger, where you're kind of playing an, an animated arcade, and and the actual, <clears throat> or you're you're playing sort of a you're playing an animated cartoon. Well, I guess all cartoons are animated, but you're playing <laughs> otherwise a cartoon. they're just pictures. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Uh, Firefox is a a laser disc game that uses the laser disc images. It's it's as the the background. So the 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 scenes of of clouds moving past you and as you fly there's there's a part where you fly down low over the water and through a forest and um, those scenes are are what they pull from the from the laser disc and um the actual arcade action is just standard raster graphics um and and some of it's kind of silly there's like you you have to shoot stuff on the screen in order to get gasoline and then uh, in order to get fuel to advance, and and some of them are like shooting red spinning graphic spiral, which just you know obviously there aren't spinning graphic spirals out in the sky that you could shoot. But uh, the the movie was kind of terrible. Um, not not really one of Eastwood's best. Even if you're a Clint Eastwood fan, that's not one that uh, I think a lot of people are gonna may even be familiar with, let alone have seen a bunch of times. Um, but for whatever reason, I was really good at the game, uh, and I enjoyed it a lot. And so that's tapped into I your went. inner Eastwood. Yeah, I did. I... One thing I like about um, there's two Firefox cabinets, and the only one that I was actually aware of prior to quickly googling it right now was <laughs> the standard upright one. And the reason I was aware of it was because it's another one that uses one of those. I think they're called the XY yokes, which I think of as the Star Wars controller. So it's got that box, the two little handles on either side, and you can steer it like a steering wheel and also tip back and forth. I think it's the def- definitively for me, that's the Star Wars cabinet controller. And it used that. But it turns out there's also uh, an environmental one, like a, another sit down cockpit that looks really cool. But I've never seen that out in the wild before. Well, as I understand it, these these cabinets were particularly fragile, so they would actually explode if you lost. <laughs> they do, yes. Uh, they they tended to break a lot, and not just the laser disc player, but the the controller had to be replaced often. I think they were just kind of you know, more trouble than than they were worth. Yeah, laser disc games in general are already so fragile. So you add anything else in there and what are the odds it's ever going to survive? Yeah. So that's my number four pick. Nice. So that brings us to my fourth choice. And let's see. I've taken some of the big ones, Fawns, Firetruck, Quadrapong, you know, all the things that most people, when they're thinking arcade games, immediately, you know, the stuff that really jumps to mind. That's that other top 10 list that people can name right away. (laughs) Exactly. And so I think... What I'll do is go a little, a little more obscure than than my first choices, and I'm going to pick a game that did exist, was actually built, existed as a cabinet, but probably was built in the numbers of like ten or so. So most people would not have played this game. But some of the games that, that I've picked so far, part of the appeal of things like Fire Truck and Quadrupong is multiple people playing at once. And of course, people would know from the invention of Story Charlie that I like games where people play at once in odd sort of configurations. And while there isn't actually, as far as I know, a game out there where somebody crawls inside the cabinet to play, there is at least one cabinet where you play on opposite sides of the cabinet. And that's what I'm going to pick for my next one. I'm going to pick the game Battle Back. Now, it's a game by Allstate, Allstate with one L, though, so not the uh, not the insurance people. Not exactly a game, uh, a game company. 
that is well known. I believe they only made maybe two games, maybe just this one. So this is a space shooter game. And what's interesting about it is it has a single PCB inside, but that PCB is handling two sets of controls and two monitors. And those are on either sides of the cabinet. So it's not that they're left and right beside each other. One person's at the front of the cab. One person's at the back of the cab. So you can see how this might not have been ideal for arcades. Because where do you place this? <laughs> Can't put it against a wall. You need people on either side of them. But it's a fun game. Because, not that I've actually played it. Because like, hey, who has? <laughs> remember, what- this is May 1st, not not April 1st. So you're not trying to fool us again, are you? <laughs> nope, no, nope, this is an an actual game that actually has existed, but for the most part it only exists in photographs, but it does but there are actual photographs of the cabinet at launch and that sort of thing. And what's fun about it is it was promoted as being the first game for uh, a few different technologies. So not only the first game where people were playing like uh face-to-face, but it's one of the first games where multiple games are being controlled by the single PCB. Other than if you look at like the really older systems, um, like uh, computer something, that one that was based on computer space um, running on a PDB-1. But this is an actual, you know, put coins in it computer game. But the whole point is, rather than just doing your normal space shooter, your your, uh, Space Invaders type game single-handed, you can play double-handed, but opposite side. And what's fun about it, I think in particular, what makes it stand out as a little different than most two-player multiplayer games is because you're not beside each other, or like in the case of Fire Truck, behind each other, how would you communicate? Because trash talking is a vital part of the multiplayer experience. And and Allstate understood that, so they built a full intercom system. <laughs> Into the cabinet. What? So you have an intercom to speak from one side of the cabinet to the other during the game. You can speak over the other players' speakers, I would assume, just to try to trash talk them and, and make fun of them during the game. So to me, this all speaks of an awesome game along the lines of something I would have made up. But I didn't have to make this one up because uh, the, a pair of um, partners at the Allstate Group decided to go into video games, and this is what they came up with for launch. I'm looking so at the claw of entry, and it says, Cabinet Picture Needed. <laughs> right. If you have it, you ought to go there. <laughs> well, I do. Um, there's that great uh, Golden Age arcade historian site, all in color for a quarter. He's got one of the photos. He's got a photo from, from the launch you can look at. So I'll stick that into our, into our show notes, and I could probably even send it over to you guys. I can't wait to uh, listen Skype, to this. So you guys can take a look at it. <laughs> Please do. I've been Googling since you started talking, which was yeah, like so- a month ago, and I haven't <laughs> seen any sign of this. I, not an image, not a flyer, not a screenshot, no mention of it existing at all. <laughs> so I have just shared the link with you guys over Skype. Check your Skype listings and, and then go to that page, search for the word battle. You'll jump down the bottom. You'll see a guy in a fancy looking suit with big old mustache and big 80s glasses standing proudly in front of the one side of the battle back cabinet. Wow. So like I said, going a little bit more rare for this one. So have either of you played Battleback before? I'm still All not convinced time. you're not making it. Was it was a up. quarter eater for me. <laughs> I now unfortunately it's a quarter. I now unfortunately have the rep of somebody who actually makes up these things. Wow, look at that thing. That image is is choice. That wow, that's just dripping seventies. <laughs> it really is. You it's should have so... saved this for next year's April first because you would have had people going and then you could have given them a, a gotcha. What I like about this is the photos that I've seen 
um, are all from launch events like this, where there's always guys in three-piece suits standing by it who are just do not scream gamer. Trying <laughs> I to think be it's, like, it's a bunch of suits from all state decide, Hey, let's, let's jump on board. It's 1982. There's a lot of money to be made. There's no way a crash could possibly be a year off. <laughs> and these guys who just did their like button down vests and stuff, all standing proudly beside this game. They decide we're going to come in and we're going to have an intercom system and people standing at the back of the machine. So that's what I'm picking for uh, cabinet. Cabinet number four, Battle Back. There's a great photo of it here getting played by what looks like Navy officers. It looked, the caption seems to suggest they're evaluating it for placement on ships to make them more fun for the sailors. See, there you go. <laughs> it's, it's a game with a storied history. I don't know where you found that thing. <laughs> so that's what, I, that's what I'm picking for, for uh, uh, choice number four. I found my, the flyer. Oh. Well, see, there, there you it go. It says it has a lot of firsts. First interactive game, first intercom system, so uh, first in warranties. Battleback is the first game that carries a one-year warranty on the board. <laughs> that can't be true. <laughs> really? For 1982? That's no way. That's what it says here. First in price. Yeah, now I'm, now I'm fooling you. Yes. Yeah. Um, first in price. Battleback is the first game available, which gives you two games for the price of one. Oh, that's, that's right. See, exactly. But one person has to stand at the back. And the first from a 70-year-old company. Yeah, maybe specifically, but, you know, Nintendo was a lot older, and they were making some video games. But they weren't 70. They were, what, 170 at the time or something? So there you go. But specifically, a 70, exactly 70-year-old company. It's the first one from them. So there you go. I'm selecting Battleback. Probably something that's a little new for most of our listeners as well. Oh, so is that <laughs> Mark that off my list. Can't take it. <laughs> yeah, everyone's got to take that off your list now. Darn it. It's no longer God. available. See, I knew I was gonna I was gonna snipe that from you guys. Okay, okay, Jeff. I gotta pick another one because you picked Battleback. <laughs> you can pick Battleback two. Still two. on the still on the table. It's still okay, there. Go. Yeah, that's where there's one on the front, one on the back, one person on top, and one person on the floor below. You know, sorry, Charlie, stop. <laughs> so, Jeff, what are you going to select for choice number four? Uh, I think I'll pick one that I believe you said uh, you didn't like for some reason, or <laughs> one, either you or or Mike. Uh, Snake Pit. Did I say I didn't like that? I don't even think I know that game. Um, did we review oh, Snake Pit? Maybe, maybe you didn't. I mean, maybe you can now. Let's. Are you listening to other podcasts? Are you cheating on our podcast? Snake, I'm, oh. I'm listening to the future podcast. Just, I won't tell you what happened. And so you're telling me already that I won't like it when we do talk about <laughs> it. Got it. Okay. Snake Pit was a game. What did it come out? 83, 84. I'm trying to. I, I remember playing it in our local arcade. It was before I graduated high school, so it was probably 83. That's, that's how I date stuff, by where I was at the time. Snake Pit is a game. It's a two-joystick game, if I'm thinking of the same game. Um, one joystick moves your character. The next joystick moves a whip. And you have to whip these snakes and clear the uh, room that you're in of snakes where you can move on to the next, uh, next room. So what, what year did this come out? This is an 84 Bally game. So I figure okay. it's, it's, it's got to be based on Indiana Jones then. Whips and snakes. Yeah, it was... It's got that same kind of feel, that same, yeah, that jungle explorer kind of look to it. The tiki font and all that. Yes, this is the one I was thinking of. Yeah, because the first <laughs> like Indiana Jones movie is, what, I think 81. So yeah, so then this, because I figure snakes, whips, come on. It's, it's got to be. As an interesting... Uh... Cabinet, I know how you like cabinets. 
I do like cabinets. Definitely, yeah. Carrington, you want to look up the cabinet for this one? It's really cool. Is it a big snake head? I think no, the size anything other than that will disappoint me. It looks like something from a 70s space era TV Ooh, show. I was wrong. Yeah, that won't it's disappoint sort of me. spacey looking, yeah. Oh my goodness, look at this cab. Okay, <laughs> we will have a link to the image. Oh, that's... it wasn't two joysticks. It was a uh, it was a trackball to move your person, a joystick to whip in what, you know, one of eight directions. <laughs> and you have to hit these single line snakes that come into the room with the tip of your whip. It had, you know, real motion action of of a whip. But you had to clear the whole screen, and then it would open up a door. You go to the next screen, uh, and if you get bit by a snake, you turn into gold dust with like a. You don't get the powers sound. of a snake. You become Snake Man, and you solve crimes because that's what I would assume would happen. Or like that movie was that that B rate movie called? You ever saw that one? I have seen all B movies, and yes, I have indeed seen. That'd be cool if you turned. This is a great looking cabinet, actually. That's a great cabinet top. I have not like, seen this since high school. I, I've not seen this ever. I, maybe this is another one that didn't come to Canada. We have no snakes in Canada. Too cold. Yeah, the graphics are actually really good for 84. Looks like quite high res, a lot of colors, really sharp. Impressive. Yeah, it was. you just go from room to room and it was really colorful. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't not see what you're doing. It, there wasn't anything confusing in the gameplay. You can always see what was going on and that's what made it nice to play, but it, it it picks up speed after a while. So it's a cool control scheme. I wonder if there's any other games that use a joystick and a trackball. Mm-hmm. I've seen that before. Story Charlie. <laughs> I think it had a couple of trackballs. It had seven trackballs. Yeah, I don't know if that counts. But. <laughs> and what's interesting, okay, I'm learning a whole bunch here because it's got a very cool shape cabinet with that big white top around. And I guess it's from a line called the Bally Sente line. And so there's eight different games that it could be loaded up with. So it's not really like a play choice. You pick one game, but this cabinet was specifically designed to have offer rapid changing between games like Hat Trick and and Snake Pit and something called Chicken Shift. <laughs> Say that five times fast. And <laughs> Trivial Pursuit. So there's a Trivial Pursuit game that would go in this cab. And I did not know about this cabinet at all. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about Chicken Shift, but I want to... <laughs> I want to keep risking our podcast um, uh, G rating by saying that quickly. And uh, I'd like to add that to the list of things to to do. This game too, but you need both a joystick and a trackball to play it. So there's a combo. Yeah, one of the other games in this Valley Sente line was a game called Street Football, which I actually uh, also played. That was a really cool one. So this could have been a whole theme on its own. You could have tried to sneak it in and only pick games that were part of Balicente and see how long it takes us to pick. Why are you picking Trivial Pursuit? <laughs> so now we will know. Nice. Okay. A game I have never heard of, but with a very cool looking cabinet. Nice. Everyone keeps picking mm. games I don't know. Cool. Like that Centipedi yeah. game you picked? Never heard of it. Okay, Quinn, so we come to round five, the fifth and final round, your last chance to pick amazing games like the Fawns. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, the Fawns and Battleback are gone, so I had to scramble here a little bit, but, uh, you know, because this game's got a special place for me for a couple of reasons. Uh, it's a 1987 Taito game, and I just realized that I have a third sub-theme, apparently, which is 1987. I think almost all of my games have been 87. But, uh, yeah, so uh, 1987 Taito uh, Rastan. Oh, nice one. Yeah, so uh, side-scrolling kind of, uh, was like a Viking, you know? What is this guy? He's like a barbarian, I guess. Got mm-hmm. a big sword and 
And again, that kind of late 8-bit, early 16-bit graphics, pixel arts that I love so much. And uh, this is another game that is just, just punishingly difficult. Um, but it just it drove you to want to see more of it because it, there were so many different areas, different you know themes, different looks. There was you know interior temple areas and, and underground lava areas. And one of these games where you the artwork was was a motivator to make you want to see further into the game because there was just so many different um, you know different feelings to each area, uh, which is something that I think games didn't do a lot of until later when they had you know the horsepower to kind of vary up the art like that. So. Um, uh, and this amazing sound in this game, especially the, the, the grunts and the yells and, and, and the sword clangs and stuff are really great. And uh, and the final final reason it's special to me is it has a really amazing port on the Apple IIGS. Um, it's probably the best Apple IIGS game, and the port is just flawless. So. I agree. What I liked about it, what I remember from the arcade version is I remember talking to somebody who was really good at this game and him telling me about it before I ever actually played it. So it's one of the games where I actually didn't get coached on, but it got it, got it hyped up before I played it. I think it's the only game that that ever happened. And I remember him saying that you, if you get far enough into the game, it won't let you continue when you die. Like you can normally like put in a quarter and keep going, but this will get to a certain point after which the stakes are now high enough that you have to be able to finish the game on that quarter or too bad. You go back to the beginning. And I, that really jumped out at me. I was like, oh, this must be the, the hardest game ever. And like, so I really built it up in my mind before I ever played it. Now, I I don't think I ever got to the point where that was going to become an issue. <laughs> but uh, I remember at the time thinking, wow, that sounds that sounds amazing. That's really, that's seriously hardcore gaming there, baby. Yeah, that's, that's actually, yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, this game kind of, gameplay-wise, kind of straddled, straddled that line between uh, sort of pre-quarter muncher games and post-quarter muncher games. I mean, it has elements of both. It it felt like you could finish it on one quarter if you wanted to, if you were good enough. It didn't feel like, you know, Gauntlet, where it's just clearly designed to just suck quarters out of your pocket, you know, like a sort of the, the early version of, of a, you know, mobile game with the in-app purchase elements, you know, where it's just clearly engineered to bully you out of your money and nothing else. So it, it didn't have that feel, and yet it sort of was a quarter muncher because you wanted to keep going at all costs. Um, but like you say, yeah, then it had that later portion where you just had to be that good, and uh, that was its own kind of draw. It was devious because you got to that point, and then you die, and then you wanted to get to that point again, which would require another seven quarters because you had to start <laughs> over and then continue until you got to the point where you couldn't continue anymore again. Just the, whole, the whole thing was evil. Nice. I like an evil game. <laughs> And it had that, uh, it was sort of at the start of that era where they had enough sort of memory and horsepower to start adding fun details. You know, it had the beating heart on the health bar, you know, the little animation of the heart. And it actually had the oxygenated and non-oxygenated halves of the heart that were blue and red and kind of intertwined. It was a sort of gruesome sort of artwork and it was beating and it would beat faster as you approach death. And that sound would be kind of in the background, your heartbeat. And uh, it was just, it was a lot of attention to detail that... Uh, probably you know, couldn't have done much earlier than that yep and to me it really stands out as one of the 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 fighting the scroll and fight games that is it's one of the best and one of the ones that i really like or a lot of a lot of that sort of game i don't dig but rastin is just there's just so many details in it that just make it awesome yeah i, I agree i mean, yeah that like you guys are saying the whole fight and go right uh, oh, right that was the that was the phrase i was trying to remember yes, yeah exactly yeah I, i'm not a huge fan of those either but there was a couple real standouts yeah this was one and uh golden axe was probably the other one um, 
very, very similar game in a lot of ways. And yeah, they, they have the depth. I mean, a lot of those white and blue red games, they just, it's just kind of mashing buttons and trying to see how slow you can die. Whereas this game had a lot of different moves and then there was a lot of skill to it. And I mean, you could, you could quite successfully get most of the way through the game without getting hit if you were good enough. You know, it wasn't, you weren't guaranteed to be. It's a big if. <laughs> yeah. You weren't guaranteed to be killed slowly. Like, like you are in the you know later beat em ups like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or The Simpsons where you know you can't avoid every hit like their right, the game, yeah. the game is designed to kill you slowly no matter how good you are or that Dungeon and Dragons game that that Mike and I reviewed recently which was the same way where even if you are vastly more powerful than the the mobs that you're you're fighting they'll it'll always be just like you there's three other people they will always hit you from behind and whittle you down and the game was simply just designed to slowly drain your health no matter how good you are yeah. Yeah, nice. In particular, I remember the the graphics in Rastin really standing out. Like, I really enjoyed the look of it, enjoyed the motion, and I just there's there's something about like it's another one of those games where they were able to fit a lot of detail into the into the character design and stuff, and and just really like the 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 motion of that. So yeah, good 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 pick. Like it. Okay, Mike. We now come to your last choice, your final chance to wow us with your deep arcade knowledge and wonder. You're just your general wonder. So, so far we've got Russian Attack, Flicky, Spy Hunter, and Firefox from you. What are you going to conclude your draft with? I'm going to wrap this up with Crazy Climber. Which we, I think, reviewed. We did, yeah. It was one of the early ones, and, and this was the, the game where you... You just climb buildings and um, you do it by... I believe the past tense is clomb. <laughs> oh, I see. You clomb buildings. <laughs> the buildings have been clomb. Uh, the idea here is that you climb buildings. You have, there are, are what, six columns of windows and you're a little guy at the bottom and, and you you just make your way to the top and crazy mad scientists um, lean out the window, throw pots at you and birds try to poop on you. And But what I really liked about it um, and what, why why this stands out for me is the the use of the the dual joystick to um, to simulate the movement of of your character's uh, hands and uh, arms and legs as you're climbing. You know? So if you're if you want to move up, uh, if you're moving up a particular column and you want to go faster, you know you have to time the the uh, alternating joystick up and down movements. And and uh, if you need to move sideways, there's you have to um, move both joysticks to to the left or um if you just want to move um say your your arm um or your your left arm and leg um to to avoid something um you know you could use just one joystick um so i, I really thought that that was uh, an innovative use of the controls and, and i had a um i had a I, I had a great time reviewing it when we played it and i remember spending a lot of quarters on this in my youth yeah, it's got a really, really good and unique control scheme that fits the game perfectly. Yep. And it's something that at first, I remember when we reviewed it, and I played it for for that old episode, um, at first it was just frustrating. I was like, why can't I move? What is going on? And until you get into the rhythm of it, it's very difficult. But once you do, it feels very natural, and it's such a perfect control for that particular game. So, yeah, just really, really well implemented. Yeah, I, I, there was that moment for me where it just sort of clicked, you know, where where I, I finally figured it out, and I'm I'm not fighting the controls anymore, going getting frustrated, like, why is, he, why is his hand moving and nothing else is? And, um, and then... It's sort of like this almost a natural movement where you don't really once you get it you you're not really thinking about it anymore and, and you can concentrate on doing well in the game um, and that's a that's a lot of fun I, I like the the fact that you could have 
that they would have, you know, stuff like Baby Elephant Walk and, and the Pink Panther playing in the background. Um, I think the whole thing really came together well as as a game. You've got all these uh, unique parts, and, and we've seen in games that we've reviewed, Carrington, where uh, you have a company that's trying to put some unique stuff together, and none of it really comes together, and the whole thing is just kind of a, a mess that sucks, and this is not one of those games. Nice. Nice choice to, to round out the, the picks. Woo! So for me... For number five, and there's so many games, so many games I want to pick. It was hard to narrow it down to just five. I have a lot on my potential list, but I assumed that some of them might be selected by somebody else. So I didn't narrow them down. But I think what I'm going to do is add um, a vector game, because that's one of the things that's sort of missing from my, my little collection I've put together here is a vector game. And there's... Lots to choose from. In real life, I chose Gravatar as the game that's sitting behind me right now. But I'm going to choose something a little different, a game that I haven't actually played in quite a while, but I've been, I've been itching to play and hoping that we would review on uh, No Quarter, but we haven't got around to it yet. And it's a game called Ripoff. There's lots of games that are ripoffs of other games, but this one is quite original in that the, the idea here stands out as a different sort of theme than you'll normally get. So instead of you just racing around and attacking... Uh, all things that are different than you, like a big xenophobe. What you're doing here is guarding a bunch of gas cans. <laughs> so there's a bunch of fuel tanks in the center of the screen, and it's basically just a bunch of lines. It's stick figures because it's a it's a vector game. In fact, it's just a black and white vector game, so not even any color to it. And your little little space character, your little tank, has to th- thwart all the pirates that are going to come and try to steal your boxes, steal your, your fuel canisters. And what's why it's called ripoff is the enemies come on screen, attach like basically a, a hook line to your a canister. And all they do is they try to drag it off the screen. <laughs> and so they try to race away and you have to shoot them to try to stop them from doing that. But when you do shoot them, the canister doesn't go back to the middle. It stays where it was. So as you play the game, everything gets slowly spread further and further apart and more difficult to defend. You don't have that little cluster in the center anymore. And you lose, essentially, when all the fuel canisters have been taken away. So it's a war of attrition. You will necessarily lose. But it is a particularly fun game and stands out as something that's a little little different to play. Um, It's from Cinematronics. I think it was 79 or 1980, something like that. So it's a relatively early game, which is why it's all black and white. But it's a frantic game and fun and stands out as something, like I said, that's a lot different than other games that you would play in the uh, in the arcade. So have either of you guys ever played uh, Ripoff before? No. Once or twice. So I'm, 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 I'm picking the rare ones. <laughs> yeah, it's an obscure uh, one. I haven't seen this one before. I'm, I'm picking the populars. I've seen it. I just never really gravitated towards it. That was Gravatar. Totally different game. I gravitar, gravitated towards Gravatar. I guess it, maybe the color. <laughs> maybe right. the color. Yes. It was black and white. I just got bored with it. So for me, it was one of those games where I just it just immediately resonated with me. I remember going to an arcade um, and playing this one a whole bunch. And I was there with a really good friend of mine at the time. And I convinced him to try it. And he was like, this game's terrible. And he just walked away. And then I spent the rest of the time playing this game. And he went and played games that were, were more popular. So maybe it's an acquired taste. But for me, it just immediately hooked me. I really dig it. So I'm going to round out my collection of, of fan favorites with Ripoff as my last choice. That's so an Easter egg listed here. 
There's an Easter egg in it? Or I don't a cheat know or a trick. It says, if you stay still, it is possible to get an enemy to circle your tank indefinitely or until you shoot it. Nice, because they do try to keep away from you. So I guess, yeah, you get in the middle and they'll just come and try to taunt you. <laughs> I guess it's <laughs> you not an Easter egg. They call it cheats, tricks, bugs, Easter eggs. So they just roll it all up into one. This is on Clob, I believe. Yeah, it's on Clob. Nice. See, you've taught me something. I'm mean, have to go back and play it again. That's a, a, all night a, long until it happens, right? Yeah, this this is one I want to try. That uh, that's a clever mechanic. That uh, notion of them pulling the fuel barrels away and they drop them wherever you shoot them. That's uh, that's sort of war of attrition. That's that's a really interesting mechanic, actually, from a game game design standpoint. It is it is different. Like when you play it, it stands out as something different than most games you play before. So whether you end up digging or not, at least it, I like a game that is different than other ones, which is kind of funny with a name like Ripoff. <laughs> you think it wouldn't be original, but it is. Yeah, these uh, these early games, I mean, it, you know, they only had, they were all one mechanic games. And uh, so it's really, it's really cool to find these ones that did something nobody else did. It's not another maze game. It's not another, you know, platformer. It's, they, they came up with one new mechanic and that, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, exactly. So, Jeff, we come to the end of the round and will essentially be the, the end of our draft here where you get to pick your fifth and final game. So how are you going to close out our draft? What is your last choice? Well, the interesting thing here is I have 25 to 30 in my list and nobody picked any of them yet. Um, but I'm going to go with Mappy. Oh, good choice. I like Mappy. Well... I, I love Mappy. I love it a little bit less whenever my wife's around because she really kicks my butt at that game. But yeah, that's I, I like. Again, I games that aren't necessarily the the standard. There were so many games that were uh, shoot 'em ups, you know, the the space shoot 'em ups, and then there were so many games that were trying to repeat the success of of Pac Man and and Donkey Kong. Um, and so, anytime I could play a game that was well done, like Mappy, um, those were the ones that that I would that I tended to gravitate to in, in the arcade. So I just, that's just a fun game. It just screams fun. It, it cleverly play, you know, playable, uh, nice colors, nice music, sound, family friendly. I mean, what's not to like? Amazing it even has a pretty cool looking cabinet. Yes. Yeah. The cabinet's amazing. Like it has a shape that makes it stand out and you can even see it over the top of other cabinets. So when you're playing one game, you can say, Oh, maybe I'll go over to that row and try that one next. Yeah, it's got to be one of the all-time great cabinets. Mm-hmm. And all-time great music and everything. Yeah, I love it. I didn't like the game at first, but then I got hooked on it. Why didn't you? How could you not like playing Micro Police? You're Mappy as Micro Police. Yeah. At the time, it was. It, it seemed too cheesy at first, but then I realized this was well-produced, so I appreciated it for that. And then once I got into the gameplay and learned some of the mechanics of the gameplay, I thought, okay, it's it's not too much to have to think about but it's not too simple that you'll win all the time but you can keep going with it and and if you lose it's your own fault because you should know better and that just that's the kind of gaming i like to have one that i'm responsible for my gameplay nobody else is responsible for my gameplay good point i know in in a lot of games it's sometimes it's when i learn a little something like a little a, a trick or something you can do and you feel like you've unlocked a bit of the game or you're getting your head around something or you know a little secret or something it can really make you connect with the game and mappy is one of those for me because those there's the normal map levels you go through where you you are playing micro police and you're being chased by the 
I think they were the Meowski brothers or something. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cheesy. But then after finishing those, you'll have those um, inter levels where you're just going to bounce and try to get from one end of the level to the other. And you're just going along the little trampolines and you can pick up the balloons. And the idea is you've got a certain amount of time and you got to get to the end. And, and if you run it perfectly, you get all the balloons and you get the big bonus points. And there's sometimes where you have one trampoline above another. And when you hit a trampoline enough times, you will break through and go to the level before. But if just before you hit a trampoline, you pull to the side, you'll break through really quickly because you hit the trampoline, hit the wall, hit the trampoline, hit the wall, hit the trampoline, and burst through. And it's a way to speed your way through. Really simple thing. It's not exactly like an Easter egg or whatever, but it's that, it's that little moment where you realize, oh, I know this technique now. And as soon as I did that the first time I played Mappy, I was completely hooked because it's like I've unlocked the technique. I feel like I'm, you know, platinum level player now. <laughs> I stick with it. So uh, when a game can have something like that, it can really endear it to me. And Mappy's got tons of those sort of things. Yeah, when you feel in charge of the game, it's, yeah. it's really fun to play. I didn't realize they uh, made a port for this for the Palm OS. Really? I'm looking at a list. Super Cassette Vision, iOS, of course. MSX, PC 6001, PC 8801, the family computer, the X1. I mean, <laughs> I don't even know half these systems, but they made a port for it. Of course, 2600 is not listed, but did they make it for the 2600? Uh, all that matters is whether they made it for the Apple II, and I think they didn't, so. Yeah, and, uh, and visually, I mean, this this is right in the middle of sort of the, the golden age of, of Namco, you know, the early 80s Namco games. They have that look, and you can tell from 100 yards that this is, you know, an early 80s Namco game. It's got, the, got that, that great look, you know, Galaga or, you know, any of those games. You, you just know, and it's sort of like Williams games, same way, you know, they have that look. And uh, that's, uh, there's not very many companies that really did that well, I think. I, I don't know if it's a function of their, you know, their graphics hardware combined with their art direction or, or whatever, but... Uh, yeah, that's uh, that sort of branding that's sort of infused into the artwork is, is, is really great. I completely agree. And, and this era of Namco did exactly have that, where they had a really good, sort of like a good taste, where they could use very vibrant colors, but never make it garish. Mm -hmm. So instead, it was just really attractive and, and would have lots of character to it. Whereas a lot of other places, when, they, when you'd get those bright colors, it'd be like, oh, what are you doing? And here they had a great combination of relatively stayed backgrounds but nice vibrant colors great use of character and really fluid motion and mechanics so yeah namco was really hitting its stride around this time yeah I'd, I'd love to talk to an art director from that period because it can't be easy to make you know you're working with graphics hardware that's got eight or 16 you know really saturated colors it's got to be hard to make something that looks nice with that mm -hmm. yeah but they did they really knocked it to the park and in particular with mappy one one of the all-time greats for sure nice and so that brings us to the end of our first, and who knows, maybe only arcade draft. <laughs> so I thought we'd go back. We'll we'll summarize the the five games we've each picked and see if maybe all you can guess what the theme. And yes, there was a theme for my choices. So Quinn, you already told us what your theme was, but you had selected Hard Driving, Xenophobe, APB, Centipede, and Rastin. And these were all games that you wanted to be good at, but never quite was. Right. Nice choice. Nice choices. Turning to me, then we've got me selecting the very popular choices of The Fawns, Fire Truck, Quadrapong, Battleback, and Ripoff. And my theme was I was trying to design a tiny little arcade of just five games. I was going to call my, my arcade Sticks, 
And but the twist would be there would be no arcade games with actual joysticks. So all these games oh. are fun to play, but there's not a joystick among them. So that that was limiting my choices. Um, also, being five games, I decided we would only play in this arcade the music of the band Stick. <laughs> From its classic era of Cornerstone through Kilroy was here. Each of the games would be dedicated to one of the members of Sticks lineup at that time. And I would post a high score that they got on those games. I'm not sure who we would get to play back to back, but we will see. So that's my idea. It's going to be it's just a sticks. grand illusion, isn't it? Exactly. But there'd be no choice sticks. And then we'd have certain days where you could come and play a game against Tommy Shaw or something like that. So, and I'm sure that uh, Dennis Young would only play the fonts. So that, that was my choice. The arcade would be called Sticks, but no joysticks allowed. Slogan is the only Sticks is on the stereo. Exactly. See, I don't see how this can't be a winner. So, um, and Jeff, what about you? So we've got Interstellar, Time Pilot, the massive TX1, Snake Pit, and Mappy. So I've been racking my brain. I have no idea what was the mystery theme, if if any, behind your choices? Well, some of the other games that are on the list were Swimmer, Pot Pie, or Popeye, uh, Munchmobile, Ms. Pac-Man, you know, some of the classics. These are games which won somebody the grand prize on the Star K TV show. Hmm. Nice. Nice. Wow. Subtle. I was like, even yeah. when you listed more games, I'm like, what do these have in common? And now that you say that, I remember. If, I remember the Mappy episode and a couple of the other ones. Yeah, there is a TX1 episode there, too. Um, I actually have, this is what I was doing my research before all this started. I can probably get you the episode number that had the TX1. Um, maybe, maybe not. But you've you've guys been to the Starcade website before, haven't you? Of course, it it is gloriously trapped in time. I I lucked out many years ago when they were playing it on G4. I had videotape recordings of it, so I got all but one. Very nice. So, uh, Quinn, to finish up, were there any games that you wanted to include that you couldn't get to? What was left on your list, maybe? Uh, well, I mean, I just had the five, uh, for that list. I have so couple. you were confident that none of us would steal one away? Oh yeah. Well, I had a, I guess I had, I had one backup, which was uh, gauntlet, uh, as far as, uh, games I wanted to be good at and never, never will be, or never am or will be. Um, I guess, well, I also had, uh, uh, Star Trek next generation pinball, but I think that's, I don't think that's, I think that's cheating. Um, Mike, Mike would definitely thumbs down anything yeah, with Yeah, that, that, that would get vetoed. <laughs> I had two other themes, though, which I think might, I might save in case we do this again, because I've got a couple of other good, uh, good lists. Okay, so Mike, we're wrapping up um, your, your selections. We had Russian Attack, Flicky, Spy Hunter, Firefox, and then Crazy Climber. So did you have any backup lists? Are there, are there any other games that you didn't get to pick that still would have met your theme or that were your uh, sort of runners-up or were just there just in case one of us took away one of your choices? Sure, yeah. I was either going to go with uh, – I don't think that I talked about my theme before this. I mean, we joked about um, – Yeah, games that you're better at than me. <laughs> but but we, I ran out of games too quickly for that, so – uh, my, my actual theme was games that like, if I were going to, if I had a very small arcade and I was forced to choose just five games, it would be these five games. And oh, so it's literally the Mike McGinnis top five. This actually is the top five list. And oh my goodness. Um, well, the, the mythical top five. <laughs> the mythical top five. It never to be spoken of again. And I will deny it in the future. Now the, the reason that I, I chose a different game, part of the reason I chose it was because, um, each 
game was so different from all of the others. There, there weren't two fighting games or, or, or I guess maybe, you know, there's a driving and a flying game, but even those are not very um, similar. So yeah, the gameplay between spy hunter and Firefox is, is radically different. Yeah. Now the, the, my, my backup list, if, if somebody, if, well, it would have been you, of course, not somebody. But <laughs> if I had known your list, that's I would, right. Yeah, my list would have been <laughs> games that Mike had hoped he could pick. <laughs> that's right. That I'm going to pick. Uh, my my other list would have would have been um, games that I really hate, that, and and it would have started with Elevator Action, and and gone from there to um, um, I don't have a list here in front of me, but I think it, it would have included games like Bubbles and. Um, Ghosts and Goblins, and I forget what the other two were. You have such terrible taste. I agree with Bubbles, but Ghosts and Goblins and Elevator Action are awesome. That's because you're insane. Even you That's didn't like Ghosts of, and Goblins Part of what makes much. them awesome. <laughs> Even you didn't like Ghosts and Goblins that much. Don't I like that. it more every week. What about you? Um, th- for my list, there were a few that I, uh, that I had considered putting on that would fit into the no joysticks allowed games, which is a pretty wild, wide field when you think about it. One I had strongly considered was Major Havoc, the game that we, we've reviewed here on No Quarter, um, that particularly endeared itself to me because I liked the fact that you were playing a clone in the game, so it, it gave a reason why all your characters were totally identical. It's okay to basically kill one off and another one shows up because you're clones. And I like the fact that you fly the Catastrophighter in it. And I thought that was just like the best name ever for a ship. So that alone gave it almost a place on my list. Um, and another one I had considered was Gravatar because that's the game I actually chose and was my first actual um, cabinet purchase. Um, a game that is so hard I'm still not good at it, even owning it where I can play it anytime I want, as much as I want. I have a current high score of like 40,000 or something. That is a tough game. <laughs> it is such a hard game. But I like a hard game because a hard game is one you can keep coming back to and not... Um, and not completely get destroyed by it. And then there were some of the other older classics I had considered, like um, Space Duel and uh, Computer Space and like fancy-looking cabinets that were buttons only as well. To go you could have my... picked one on my list. Holy moly. Doesn't that have the nine buttons? Uh, I think it has... Or was there a joystick version of that? I think that's joystick. But TX1 technically has no joysticks. Yeah, okay, any, any driving game. Yeah. Right, exactly. So that's how I snuck that in with the Fonz. Yeah, I, kinda, I thought your, the Fonz was the red herring for me because I, I was thinking your theme was multiplayer games from the 70s, which, would be <laughs> which itself would be theme. a good theme. Yeah. <laughs> but that would still be a theme I could get behind big time. So what about you, Jeff? You had uh, Interstellar Laser Fantasy, Time Pilot, TX1, Snake Pit, Mappy, uh, we now know your your secret theme, which was a great theme. I never would have guessed. So what other games had you considered that didn't quite make the list? Well, I can go down the list here. Uh, Gyrus, Galaxian, Pac-Man, everybody. You know, I'm surprised nobody picked Pac-Man on this. Nobody picked Pac-Man. Nobody picked Space Invaders. <laughs> nobody went for the no big Donkey Kong. Some of the, <laughs> some of the probably the popular ones or the, I would say the better ones like Crystal Castle. I also like Bagman that was on the list. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Wow, I hadn't thought Super of that. Super Cobra. Yeah, I know how you all feel about those kind of games. <laughs> Star Trek. There's one. No joysticks. That's true. And I had actually considered that for this list, but then it was part of a different theme I had instead. So I moved it over to theme B. And Stern's Journey. Not, not the video game theme going. I mean, not the, uh, not the uh, um, band themed. Journey band game. One. Right. <laughs> right. What's wrong with the, the 
journey. I maybe I'll have a whole other arcade next to my Sticks arcade where we only play the songs Journey, and I simply have five copies of Journey. Oh, there you go. <laughs> like I have like one stand-up game. I have a cocktail. I have one based on a projector. I, I can I can make a whole arcade out of Journey. I would go to that arcade. I totally would go. I'd go to that arcade just for the music, man. Yeah, Don't yeah. stop believing. That's Don't right. ever <laughs> stop believing. That's right. I'll, I'll get me some journey anytime. <laughs> exactly. I also had Cube Quest. Oh, yeah. That's an interesting and one. And Cliffhanger. Two more Laserdisc games. Um, Cube Quest in particular, very strange one. That's a strange game. And uh, Cliffhanger, to me, is just like sitting down and watching a movie. Like, with those kind of ones, I'm like, I'd, just, I'd rather just rent it. And listen to somebody say, jump. <laughs> exactly. I could just rent the, and have a friend come over and just yell jump at me on occasion yeah. and get the whole experience and not have to pay all those quarters. Those laser disc games all made me stabby. I mean, like within, <laughs> within moments, even to my young self, it was clear not I wasn't doing anything here. Like it was just it was clear this wasn't a game. This was just a I don't know a trial and error disaster. Oh, I just could never get behind those games completely. Yeah, I remember playing. Um, Dragon's Lair, and it really felt more like I was in some sort of psych experiment where you can say, let's see, can, can we teach him to press left and then press up at these certain times, and we'll reward him with flashing lights. I'm like, that's not a game. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, Dragon's Lair, I think I played for five seconds and immediately said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen, and walked away and never touched it again. <laughs> Considering it took 50 cents from you, too. I know. And not even being a fan back in the time when it got re-released very recently, like on iOS, I leapt at it and bought it, and then started playing. And went, oh, I don't like this game. Why did I do that? So it got even more money out of me. Ah, game's good at getting my money. I'll give it that. It, it was good at getting everybody's money. I mean, Dragon's Lair almost single-handedly rescued arcades there at the end. I mean, it was but the last But then we realized gasp. it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. like, oh, hold on. No. <laughs> and then the laser disc broke down. Yeah. Right. Players. <laughs> Yeah, the the tech behind that. Very, very, very unfortunate. Um, so that wraps it up. That was our first arcade draft. Hopefully everybody has enjoyed listening to it. I certainly enjoyed playing it. And we've got to thank once again our, our two guests to come on and put up with Mike and I during all of this. So thank you very much, Quinn. My pleasure. And thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah, and hopefully we will be able to do this again, start thinking of future themes. And also, if you've enjoyed listening to this show, dear listener, maybe you could come up with a theme of your own. Hopefully you've uh, enjoyed listening to us come up with ours, but I'd love to hear from some listeners to see what would you pick. If you had to put together five games for whatever reason, what five would you pick? Would it be something that we had picked? Would you come up with your own theme, your own little arcade, five games you've always wished you'd own? Like Quinn, five games you wish you were good at, but maybe you aren't. Uh, so write in. I'm sure Mike and I would love to hear some feedback on this. And also tell us, did you enjoy this show? We're going to stick with the normal format for most of our shows. But do you mind if we throw in the occasional weird little special episode like this? Tell us. We'd love to hear. Meanwhile, thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback can be sent by email to noquarter at monsterfeet.com, or you can find us on Facebook as No Quarter Podcast, and on Twitter, we are at No Quarter Show. You can also find us on both the Throwback Network and the Real Retro Junkies Network. 
All of these links plus the show notes are available at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet podcasts, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain.